for a moment and to share with us your talents. Um, Gardner C. Taylor, uh, who passed away not too long ago, and uh, James Earl Massey, uh, they described preaching as uh, a burdensome joy. Uh, one called it the sweet torture of Sunday morning. Uh, and to an extent, obviously they're true, but I think that depending on how uh, the, the looks that you get from the congregation uh, as to how torturing uh, that moment is. Uh, I, I have an intention of sharing with you all a sermon, uh, but this sermon is going to be a little different, uh, not because I'm weird or different, uh, but because of uh, just the reason of the way that this sermon was first uh, uh, preached and it was first given and delivered. So what's going to happen uh, for this moment, and we'll see, things change, right? You just, you never know. Uh, I don't have a piece of paper this time that's going to keep me too intact, uh, so my ADD may go everywhere, all right? But uh, ideally, what we're going to have is a pretty lengthy introduction, all right? And then I'm going to give you a pretty simple message or sermon. That way I can feel comfortable with uh, giving you all the proper exegesis of the text, and I feel comfortable laying down the right foundation of the text. And then I will uh, uh, share with you all a simple message about the empowering superhero. Before we get to all that, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we're grateful. We're, uh, we're humbled that you will allow us, your people, to worship you, to be a part of your work, your redemptive work, your, um, your gracious and all-powerful plans. Father, I ask that you will give us humility uh, as we serve you. Father, I ask that you will uh, give us an open heart and mind to receive your word that you have for us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, our main focus will be Romans 8, 26, but if you don't mind, I would like for us to read the entire section, not the entire chapter. Uh, that's for my 11th graders at Westminster. They, they get to memorize the entire Romans 8, but we all uh, will only focus on one verse, okay? And we're going to start at verse 18, uh, yes, and then we will go on down until, uh, let's say, verse 28 or something in that area, okay? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, 
the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes, uh, excuse me, yes, it intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for the purpose who are called according to his purpose. Let's see. Or the alternate translation is, uh, and we know God works all things together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Another option is, or God works in all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I, I will admit, right off the top, I rarely, and this is, this is a sad thing, I personally rarely uh, preach on the Holy Spirit. I think in a formal setting like this, this may be my third time uh, preaching on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we as a body, right, we as a group of believers, I don't know if we oftentimes refer or mention the Holy Spirit as often as we should. And at least when we do, it's in some random, probably miscontextualized uh, uh, quote or slogan, right? The Holy Spirit is not just real. He's present. I had a uh, my first major conflict in a very long time. Uh, uh, I've had conflict, but my first major conflict, I had it recently. Uh, again, it's been a long time. And it, it took everything within me, all right, everything within me, not to lose my temper, my professionalism, right? It took everything within me. But as, I, as I'm thinking about what all is in me, what does Paul say? I know there's nothing good within me. And so then I came to this, this conclusion. When I say it took everything within me, it really just took one thing within me, and that one thing had to fight everything else in me. Because the thing that I ended up doing, that's not what everything in me wanted to do. Amen so far? And so then I had to realize there was something else going on that kept me from you know, doing the wrong thing. Uh, I, after I talked about what happened uh, and, and, and gave my, my story, uh, our, our head of school, Coach uh, Stephen Hooks, some of you all may know him, Stephen Hooks, came to this sincere conclusion. He wasn't saying this jokingly or, or he wasn't just saying this as, as something you just, as a random quote. He said this, wow, that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. Right? That was the Holy Spirit. To hear, to hear your boss come to the conclusion that it wasn't the training he put in place for you, right? It wasn't, it wasn't you know, the fact that you didn't want to, to mess up in front of the kids. It wasn't the fact. I told him it wasn't because I, I needed the job. I have other offers. I told him that. I said, I get those plenty, right? I said, it, it, I don't know what it was. I said, maybe it was because I wanted to make sure that I kept my dignity, right? I, I tell the kids this all the time. That, that when, when things happen, right, and I use the story of uh, Joseph. Remember when he was accused by uh, Potiphar's wife? And I told the kids that she had his coat, but she didn't have his integrity. I said, so, so I, I just wanted to make sure I had my, and he said, I know what it was. It was the Holy Spirit. And then I later on added to that and said, it was the Holy Spirit. And it was also the fact that I had been getting a lot of sleep lately. Uh, my wife, my wife is very intentional 
because of the nature of my job and, and sometimes the hours I work to make sure I get rest. So uh, that was a shout out to her so, and so everybody know I'm married. Uh, so then, so then, the, the, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Can, when was the last time you gave credit to the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity. Different role, but the same power and, and, and level of importance. The Holy Spirit entering us when we give our lives to Christ. The Holy Spirit leading us and helping us to do what Christ wants us to do. The Holy Spirit does so many things for us. John uh, 14 says that he comforts us and helps us to remember what we know about God. I tell the kids that all the time when it comes to the test. That they, they, they pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to help them know the answer. I said, no, he, he helps you remember and know what you already knew. If you didn't study it before, then tough luck. All right? But that's what the Holy Spirit, he helps us remember. Uh, John 16 goes on to say that he's a counselor. That Greek word literally, literally means one that walks alongside. And then here we have in Romans 8, many, many things that the Holy Spirit does for the believer. And I have it on the slideshow as well. Yeah, there we go. All right. So then, what does the Holy Spirit do, do for you? Well, in Romans 8, if you, if you look, most of your Bibles, the very top uh, subject or the theme or whatever the title of that particular chapter should reveal something along the line of life in the spirit or something like that. If you see it, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things to the believer as it ministers and God and helps the believer. Verses two and three says that it frees us from sin and death. Verse four says that it enables us to fulfill God's law. Five through 11, it changes. He changes our nature. 12 and 13, he empowers us for righteous living. Uh, 14 through 16, he confirms our adoption. And the last section of Romans 8 shows us that the Holy Spirit secures our eternal glory. And I'll say that he doesn't just secure it. He constantly confirms and reminds you that you are secure, that you are safe. That you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit does that over and over and over. John MacArthur says this, um, the greatest blessing God has given to believers is the secured promise of eternal life and heavenly glory. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Paul is writing this letter to uh, the church in Rome that had... Jews and Gentiles uh, making up the church. Now, he hasn't met them before. He hasn't been to Rome yet. To, he didn't start this church. Many people uh, give credit to Priscilla and Aquila for that. All right? But he is sending them this letter, and it is arguably the, the greatest letter he's written, the greatest uh, message that he has put down on paper. And, and here, in this session, after he talks about uh, how everyone... Is, is doomed in chapters 1 through 3. Chapter 1, the Gentiles are doomed. Chapter 2, the Jews are doomed. Chapter 3, everybody's doomed. All right? All right? A after he talks about that, he begins to give us practical uh, applications on from verse chapters 12 to 16. But here, he emphasizes and highlights the role of the Holy Spirit in all of it. Okay? And so, now that I've laid down the context and I put down the foundation, 
I want to give you all the simple message that, uh, that I, I presented this summer uh, to, to the kids at, at Camp Lee. Now, for those that don't know, I am the camp director, and they keep asking me to come back, so I'm doing something right. Uh, I'm the camp director of Camp Lead. It is the camp that uh, is, 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 is the camp that Lincoln Village Ministry and Lincoln Academy have for the kids that go to Lincoln Academy from ages uh, grades 3 through 8. Okay? Now, this summer, we try to figure out what would be our theme. What would be our theme for, uh, for, for this summer? Now, last summer, we concluded, we had already made up our mind, it's going to be superheroes. We're going to have the superheroes as our major theme. And what we would do for our Bible study is each week we will highlight a superhero and we will preach on that superhero and try to show how maybe a slogan from the movie or the cartoon or, or a certain characteristic of the superhero, uh, how that points us to Christ or how Christ can... We, we did a good job. We didn't send them to hell, okay? We did a good job with it. All right. Now, because I knew it was going to be superheroes, I had one of my students that was very artistic. She came and she created life-size posters of superheroes, and she painted them, and they looked very realistic. And the kids, I mean, they can come and see these actual superheroes that were bigger than them. And some of them would wear a Batman shirt one day and a Batman mask, and they would take a picture next to the superhero or not. All right. So each week we did a superhero. My week uh, was the first week, and obviously you all know what superhero I did, right? Batman, yes. All right. Now, again, let me just give you an example of, of what I did so you, I can show you all that we did the right thing when we came to trying. Because some people, they do that, but they do a terrible job at it. And you're like, okay, that had nothing to do with Christ. So <laughs> you guys make that conclusion after I share this with you. So the first uh, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, these are Bible study days, and then Thursday's field trip. We still pray and talk about Jesus, but we just don't have a formal setting. Monday with Batman... I talked about his beginnings and how he became an orphan. And what does that, what does that emphasize? Well, that emphasizes adoption. And so then, because of that, I talked about how we, as believers, are adopted into Christ. Right? Actually, Romans 8.16, I think, is, is in that uh, section. And so that's the, that was Monday. The second day, Tuesday, I talked about the dark night. Now, obviously, that's his title, Batman's title, is The Dark Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. But I told him, I'm talking about a different dark night, N-I-G-H-T. I said, in fact, this was the darkest night of all nights. What night was this? And the kids understood that it was the night that Jesus was crucified. All right? So the dark night, and then last but not least, on Wednesday, I talked about hope and how, uh, and how Batman was a symbol of hope. That's what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a symbol of hope for Gotham City and how we all need hope. And so you guys see how I did that, right? Now, here's the thing. For me, teaching... To the kids, Bible study, it's, it's kind of easy, a little, you know, it's a little relaxing. Uh, but the thing that's the scariest for me is the very last week of camp. The very last week of camp, we have the overnight cabins, right? We're in the woods. This year we was in Huntsville at Vision Ministries. Uh, and, and you stay in these cabins day and night for about three or four nights. And then every night around 7 o'clock, we have what's called campfire service. Now, I'm telling you all, when I say, uh, my wife and I, we was walking uh, down the street. We walked the dogs and the baby. The baby was being held, all right, but uh, <laughs> just to make sure you all. All right, he's not too advanced yet. He's getting there. I'm a little disappointed he's not talking for his senses yet. But uh, it was her idea. I, it wasn't my idea to walk, but it was her idea, okay? So we're walking, and I was telling her how, yeah, in a sense, no matter when you speak and preach God's word, it's, it's nerve-wracking. It is. Uh, Charles Spurgeon Actually, 
was be so he would be so weak during the sermons because every Sunday his deacons would have to carry him to the pulpit because he would literally vomit for over thirty minutes on most Sundays. And so this this is it's a nerve wracking thing. But I told her that it's because of different reasons, right? Initially, uh, when I came here, I was extremely terrified because you had well, first of all, nobody really smiled when you spoke. You guys have lightened up a little bit. Uh, uh, no one really, but but because you had a lot of people that you knew were so smart. And, and so I was intellectually, uh, you know, whatever that word is I'm trying to come up with at the moment. That's, that's, a, that's a good, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimidated. Yeah, intellectually intimidated. All right. And so that was the, that was the biggest issue. Uh, and, and so I, and I, I was telling him, about, I said, this is a different thing. I don't know what it is about campfire service. When, when it's, uh, whether it's 10, 30, 40 kids and it's campfire night, that's, the, that's really for me. To, the, so I, I try to prepare for it. So all summer. From the first week till campfire week, I'm trying to think, what am I going to preach about? If we're talking about superheroes, maybe, maybe I'll talk about, oh, I can just summarize all the lessons they had throughout this summer. That would be, be, be a good thing for them. And then I said, oh, since we're talking about superheroes, we've only had the Avengers and the Justice League. So I'll talk about how the Avengers work and compare that to Christ and the Justice League. I was like, no, nah, I said, the safest thing. Here's the safest thing to do. Anytime I just preach about Jesus. I'll talk about how Jesus is the ultimate superhero. You can't go wrong with that, right? And then it hit me. I said, what is something that they they need, they need to truly understand? What is something they have to be able to make practical and apply to their life daily? What is something they probably aren't being taught that much? Now, again, they're in a Christian academy. They're supposed to be required to go to church uh, 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 or not. And so they, they hear the sermon on Jesus' life. I said, but I don't know if they really are being taught by the Holy Spirit. And so I said, I am going to present how the Holy Spirit is the ultimate superhero. Now, I've never heard a sermon, never heard a sermon on that. I've heard plenty of sermons. On, and if I did a sermon on Jesus being a superhero, I could have just Googled it. I would have had all the notes I needed. Right? Someone, I, you know, I would have just changed one. You know how kids plagiarize? I would have done that. Right, change one word, change D to A, and then it's mine. Uh, <laughs> change the equal sign to a comma, it's mine. All right, so sorry, sorry about that. Conviction, anybody? All right, we'll pray for you later. All right, so I said, but the Holy Spirit. No one's preaching about the Holy Spirit. Definitely not him being a superhero. Here's something I want to do for you all today. I want to show you all how the Holy Spirit is a superhero. I want to show you all and tell you all the power that. Uh, that the superhero that this superhero gives us, and here's the reason why the, the Holy Spirit is a unique superhero, unlike any other superhero. The Holy Spirit doesn't do like all right, so. When Spider-Man comes, right? He swings in, he saves you from your burning bush, he places you down, say, "Don't go in the burning building again," and then he walks away, right? All right, if you're falling from a building, Superman comes, he catches you, he places you down, he walks away, right? And you do the same thing with all of them, Batman, any of them. They save you and then they leave you right there. Here's what, I, here's what I appreciate about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just save you and leave you where you're at. Oh, I gotta, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't just save you. He saves you, and not only does he cause you to keep going, he gives you power. Now, this is something I thought was so cool when I was doing this. Batman doesn't give us, well, Batman doesn't have any power. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> Superman, right? Superman, you can name any other one, Green Lantern. Uh, they, they, when they save you, they don't say, here's some of my power, so that if you get in this trouble again, you know how to handle it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the only superhero 
that gives you power. And so what I did was each night for the first three nights, I talked about the different powers we receive in the Holy Spirit. And I won't go into detail with these things because obviously I did this for three or four nights. Uh, but I would, I, would, uh, I would relay that to you, and then I would try to tell you how you can make this power grow, okay? Now, so on Monday night, I shared with them uh, Galatians chapter 22 and chapter 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, right? And then I talked about those things, emphasizing joy and self-control, all right? So, so when you get a chance... All right, you can supplement this sermon. I, I very rarely do I feel comfortable preaching a sermon that you need to supplement, but I'm okay with that, okay? Go and learn the, the, the powers that, that you receive in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, okay? Now, the Catholic Church has a very interesting teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? It teaches that the seven gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, and they get that from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It's okay to go and supplement this, okay? Now, I will read to you the seven gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us according to the Catholic teachings. Wisdom, understanding, right judgment, courage, knowledge, piety, and the fear of the Lord. That's, that's some more of the power of the Holy Spirit that you are receiving. And then last but not least, I decided to focus to them a focus on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speak truth in love. And so then, I've told them that the last two, and there's plenty, there's probably an infinite number of power that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us, but I told them that the last two powers we, we would discuss that the Holy Spirit gives us is truth and love. Now, I feel like those things go hand in hand. You can't say you love someone and you withhold the truth from them. And, and you cannot give someone the truth unless you love them. I feel like that, all right? And so then, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show you all something that's very important about power. Uh, you, when, you, when you get power, you just can't let it sit there. You have to continue doing what with the power? You got to develop it. You got to work it out, all right? Uh, so I guess I can tell you all this now since you'll find out eventually. So you all remember I had shoulder surgery like two years ago. Uh, and then about, they said seven months, seven months, you're cleared. You can do all activities again. Six months, three weeks, literally, it's right on the spot, my shoulder came back out of place. All right. And so it took me a couple of years to save the money up to do this stuff all over again and found out the labrum tore again. So I got another seven months coming up. Now, here's what I'm going to have to do. And the doctors didn't tell me this. I have common sense. Here's what I'm going to have to do before December 14th. I need to go to the gym, and I need to build my muscles up in my shoulder and arm. Why? Because it's going to go another seven months without being able to work it out. And so if I, just, if I get muscle, right, as a football player, athlete, you can get muscle, and you go two years without working out, you just, oh, I got it now, you're going to lose it. You have to work out the power that the Holy Spirit gives you. Those powers I gave you in Genesis, uh, Galatians chapter 5, Ephesians 4, and Isaiah uh, chapter, you guys wrote it down? Good. All right. Those powers, you have to work it out. Here is, the, here is what the method is that I gave my students, the, camp, the campers during the summer. All right. Here's, here's your workout plan for the Holy Spirit powers. What is this? Read your Bible. Pray. Read your Bible. Pray. Now, here's something I, I think is very important when it comes to working out. 
All right. Anybody work out? Okay, I'm not the only one that does it. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, when you work out, it is important to have someone that's going to be there with you and help support you. It's important because sometimes you get fatigued or you may bite off more than you can chew. When I was in college, I, I, when I, I used to try to, make, I tried to make the basketball team, I was working out with the players and everything, and we would work out. We would work out a lot, like, like more than we were supposed to. And I haven't, obviously I haven't done that in a long time, but it, it was really fun for me at the time. My favorite workout uh, uh, pro, uh, system thing that we did was called buddy curls. Now, here's what buddy curls are. Buddy curls, you get, it's not a dumbbell, it's a longer one, all right? So, again, I don't work out much. All right, and, and you lift it, and you go one. That's it. You just lift one. All you got to do is raise on one, then you get to your partner. And then your partner, you guys are counting to ten, goes one, two. Then he gives it back to you, and then you go one, two, three. You give it back to your partner, four, and he gives it back to you. Now, you guys think that's easy. All right, it is. It's, well, it depends how much weight you use, but, yeah, it is kind of easy. But you count to ten, and then you count back down. I'll tell you this, by the time you get to nine-ish or you're going down, your arms are on fire. They are. And so you, you, you're barely getting it, and then you throw to your partner, and then you're trying to shake, you're trying to massage your arm, and he's like, slow down, man, don't go too fast, and he gives it back to you. All right, here's why I love the buddy system, the buddy curls. There were times when my arm gave out. It really did. But I had someone that would help me lift it the rest of the way. Come here, bud, help me out. Eason, come on, Eason. Now, we just, we, I, don't have, I didn't bring any weights, or again, all right, obviously, uh, my shoulder is in too much pain to be lifting things. So all you do is you're just going to stand here, and we're going to pretend we're lifting, all right? Now, I lift one. I give it to you. How many do you do? One, two. One, two. You give it back to me. I do three, all right? Now, you're getting tired now, so start shaking a little bit, all right? There, there, all right? He can't lift it anymore. Just stay right there and say, yeah, come on, we don't have anything. Yeah, there you go. All right. Here's what I get to do. Here's what I get to do. Now, I'm not going to do it completely for him. I'm not going to do it completely for him, but I, this is all I got to do. Now, come up with it. That's it. And he got it. And that's all I had to do. I didn't get it from him and do it for him. All right? The Holy Spirit works through us. He's not going to do it for us. All right? He still requires some things on you to do. I, I, somebody, I, I'm not talking about human responsibility in the election right now, all right? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about James where it says faith without works is dead. You still have to work out, all right? So when, when, when you're tired, all right, and there are days, Larry, or there are days, Marcus, uh, uh, Mark, when, when you can't do it, you need a buddy here in, in this church or of someone that's going to hold you accountable and say, have you been reading lately? Have you been praying lately? It's been hard for me. I'm going to help you carry this load. Amen? All right, give it up for my assistant or whatever you... I think you kind of stole the show there. Now, again, I want you all to remember to work out the power that the Holy Spirit gave you. Now, there are, there are two things negatively that we can do to interact with the Holy Spirit I want to warn you of before I come to my close. We can find these two things in Ephesians 4.30, Ephesians 4.30, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Ephesians 4.30, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Here's what Ephesians 4.30 says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
that, that, again, that, that goes back to the whole confirming your, your calling or your salvation, right? But we're talking about do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Here's, a, here's the last thing. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, this is, this is the entire verse. Do not quench the Spirit. So the two things that we are called to do throughout the Scripture is to not grieve the Holy Spirit and not to quench the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to let you supplement this. I'm going to tell you what that means. All right? To grieve the Holy Spirit is doing what the Holy Spirit asks you not to do. To quench the Holy Spirit is to do what he told you not to do. Does that make sense? I'll say it one more time just on my read to make sure I said it right. Grieving is doing what the Holy Spirit said not to do. Quenching is not doing what the Holy Spirit said to do. I think that made more sense that time. All right. So then, if the Holy Spirit says go left, and you don't, or you go right, that's quenching it. You're putting out the flames. You're not doing what he asked you. If he says don't go left, and you go left, you grieve him. All right. There's a meme of a of an angel doing this, and somebody says, "I'm pretty sure this is how my angel, uh, my guardian angel, looks most of the time." All right. Don't make the Holy Spirit do this. Okay. That's grieving him. All right. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. All right? When he says do something, do it. And when he says don't do it, don't grieve him. Don't do it. All right. As a believer, as a believer, we are called to believe in the Holy Spirit, believe the Holy Spirit, and rely on his power every moment of our life. We are called to believe the Holy Spirit, believe in the Holy Spirit, and rely on his power Every moment of our life. It is the powers of the Holy Spirit that gives you joy when you're not happy. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you contentment when you don't have a dollar in your name. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that comforts you so that we do not grieve like those without hope. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you believe in the message of the cross because the wisdom of the world calls it foolishness. And so then, I ask the questions, what should be our verbal posture when life is tough? Help me, Holy Spirit. What should be our sincere cry when we are wrestling with doubt? Holy Spirit, help my unbelief. And what should be the words tattooed on our tongue Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We, we worship you, Holy Spirit, because you are God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for this moment. We, we understand that as we pray, we oftentimes do not know what to pray for or how to pray. But the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings, groanings, those same groanings that the creation has, the same groanings that we have, the Spirit groans on our behalf. And so now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would pray for us, even now, in Christ's name. Amen. And, uh, if you are a guest or a visitor, we are uh, glad to have you here. Uh, if you are a guest or visitor and you just did not like what happened today, uh, just know that I'm not the pastor. So <laughs> give the church another chance, okay? Uh, now, here's the benediction. Uh, blessings with peace upon you. Uh, see y'all next time.